Presents a music and talk show where your host Darren Roebuck is joined by a variety of artists, scientists, entrepreneurs, and therapists as they share what's on their minds and give you new ideas and practices to help you get the most out of being you. Can you dig it? Be sure to visit deeporbitstudio.com for links, show notes, and more. Now sit back and take in the view while we blast off into Deep Orbit. Welcome to Deep Orbit Studio Presents. I am your host, Darren Roebuck, and with me today, all the way from beautiful Italia, is Scott Stammers. Joining us here... Buonasera, buonasera, buonasera. Come tutti. Scott is an audio producer, much like myself, a guitarist, much like myself, and also one another thing we have in common is our love for a particular composer. A composer that has had worldwide reach, has been notorious for many things, and his name is Frank Zappa. Mouet. One of the greatest producers of music of all time, both classical, rock, jazz, and then avant-garde, whatever else. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, a, a body of work of over 300 pieces of music. Uh, but more than that was he had his band ready to play all 300 pieces at any given time. I mean, just... <laughs> in, in variations. Yes. And in variations. And with costumes and <laughs> choreography. <laughs> so devoting a show to the works of Frank Zappa... We can't even do it in one show. We probably I mean, couldn't even do it in come four. Come on, I, I don't even know why we thought we could do it in an hour. But, but we can try. We're going to give uh, what we can feel to be the best of the best of, or what's the best of uh, right or now. Or what we really like. What we really like, and even that's still, we're cutting it short. Because if we say the best of the best, someone's going to criticize that, and this is what, what I like, so you can't really... Yeah, this exactly. Is the, this is This is <laughs> what... These are songs that we like, as well as uh, we're going to throw out our two favorite guitar solos. Not just the solo, but the song that the solos He's are in. Also for me. Yeah, we each picked one, and that was a pretty impossible task to just pick one Zappa guitar solo that was stunning because there's dozens of them. <laughs> what was like the best funny song? You know, there's dozens of those. What's the best overall composition? Once again, <laughs> Dozens. <laughs> so I, I'm having a hard time. How about, I, we should also do our favorite Frank Zappa story, like uh, folklore, because he likes folklore. We, we we should promote other Frank Zappa folklore. We can do that too. <laughs> um, so, but let's just jump in right now. Um, for those of you that know me, you know I grew up in Southern California, and I spent a lot of time on my grandfather's ranch that ultimately my mom inherited. And it was in the California high desert, out in the Mojave Desert, mm -hmm. kind of near uh, Edwards Air Force Base. And uh, that's where she grew up. And uh, out a little 
you can't even call it a suburb. It's just sort of like this little <laughs> upcropping of houses that people live in out in the desert. It was this place called Sun Village, and it happened to be where Frank Zappa lived when, during his young years. Now, is there a turkey farm? There. there are turkey farms there. And more importantly, it's really sandy and the wind blows. It's really just in that big flat depression of the Mojave Desert where they land the space shuttle. So it's right out by there. And this uh, Frank Zappa, because of the, the uniqueness of this place, wrote a song about it. And it's definitely one of my most favorite of all the songs because of my connection to the place and then also because... Um, the song is really, really different from most of Zappa's yeah. uh, uh, compositions it, because it is sort of jazzy and melodic. Um, and for some reason, it's not loading anymore. Oh, well, anyway, when it loads, oh, I'll keep yammering about this. <laughs> so and, really, but you're right. This, is, this, is, this song caught me off guard when I heard it for the first time. Yeah, and it was one that when I was probably 16, I took it to my guitar teacher to learn it, and he looked at me and just shook I'm his head. Like, no, he like, no, no, you're not ready for that song. No. And I was like, come on, I want to learn it. I, you know, I, I know it in my head. And he was like, mm, yeah, no. Yeah, no. No, we're going to, we're just going to wait until you're about 30 before you can learn how to play that song. <laughs> some, of the, some of these I don't want to learn how to play. Like, I want to leave them mysterious. I literally... Like, there's some things I, I don't want to figure out. Like, I don't want to know. I just want to leave that in, as a listener. I understand. It's kind of like you listen to the song or you learn how to play the song, and all of a sudden it sort of takes the magic of its complexity Absolutely. away Absolutely. or something. You, Absolutely. You, you, you know it too well. Well, now all of a sudden. So what's your favorite Frank Zappa story? Um, I think it's the, the the one that he got into music. There's uh, um, in California. I think there was a record um, stereo seller, you know, this, and he, his name's Sam Goody. And he said he had an advertisement that said Sam Goody can sell the worst music in the world. So as Zappa, as like nine years old, he had to hear what the worst music in the world was. So he shows up at Sam Goody's, and they put on. Uh, Edgar Varese's Ionization, which is, I think it's 58 pieces of percussion scored. And and it's very avant-garde. And so he he listened to that and he was hooked. He was like, that that's it. And he literally was so enamored with, with this composer that he moved to New York. Like his first, like, I guess he was 13 or 14 years old. And he, on his birthday, he asked to call him. It was a long distance call. And back then, that was a big deal. Uh -huh. And then when he got this, the mother's going, he literally moved like around the block from the guy. I mean, so he, he was always there. <laughs> wow, that's hysterical. <laughs> All right, well, guess what? It's queued up. So let's jump in with Village of the Sun. And I have a small story that I'll tell after we listen okay. to this. All right, this is Deep Orbit Studio Presents, and this is our Frank Zappa special.
So good stuff, good stuff. You know, I have to ask, um, if you could have only one Frank Zappa album, what would it be? Oh, oh man, oh that's just not fair. That's oh, does it have to be? A, uh, can it be a live album? Any, any album. Sorry, am I allowed to say fuck? Uh, yes, you are. This is absolute <laughs> free speech radio here. You okay, can say so, so, uh, any good. kind of shit. Um, I, I think, oh, jeez, off, off the top of my head, off the top of my head, uh, I like the Lather records. Hmm. And um, there's a lot of good stuff on that, and it's very diverse. I like the orchestral stuff the more, like orche orchestral rock. Stuff, mm -hmm. So I like that. Um, uh, second choice. If I had a second choice, I would have to be seventy one. Like the white, the white. I love that. That's, Fillmore East seventy one cracks me up. That thing. Yeah, that, I love that. That's a favorite for mine too. But you know, for <clears throat> me, it's an easy choice. And not only is it an easy choice, <laughs> it's also, it's also my my desert island choice. You know, it's like yeah, if you're yeah, stuck you on a desert, desert island, island and you only have one album with you. What would it be? Um, to me, it would be Roxy and Elsewhere. It's well, that's it's up there, man. That's up. It this band right here, the Roxy and Elsewhere format, is the most he's ever jammed. Like he's really jamming in this format. Like he doesn't really jam before or after. Like he controls before and he controls after. But this is so much of a, a liberating jam. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, I'm with you. And you know, when we get to the uh, the guitar solo shootout, um, you'll hear some of that jamming uh, from this band. Uh, but I found that we were talking about what songs we liked before the show. Um, pretty much every other one was coming off of this yeah, album. absolutely. For both of us. Yeah. Um, it's hysterical. It's played amazingly. It's got the jamming. It's got... The tunes. It's got the tunes. It's got the soul. It's got some of the best examples of Frank's guitar playing. Absolutely. Um, solo, yeah, solo stuff. Is but it's got George Duke. Yeah. Just <laughs> such a, you can't even talk about Zappa without talking about him. Chester and, Baker. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, and the, the drummers, two drummers, but it sounds like one most of the time. Yeah. Um, no flams, man. These guys don't flam. Have you seen, you hear that? It's like both the snare drums like, pow. Oh, it's that or it's like a triplet. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, this has so much good stuff. And, you know, this was uh, the first Zappa album I had. I had it on cassette. 
And then I thought I should have it on vinyl too. So I went and found it used at a record store. And when I opened it up, and this is like, you know, 1986, um, I opened it up and there's uh, a couple of pot seeds in the spot, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Um, I got a story like that. Yeah. I've lost that. Uh, that copy. So a few years later, I, I was in college at this point, I went to another uh, record store, bought it again, used, opened it up, and there was pot seeds in the spine. <laughs> <laughs> My burnt weenie sandwich was like that. And the burnt weenie sandwich I got was original. It had a, a poster in it, this long, both side poster. And it said, uh, Frank Zappa and the mother of invention, of invention would would sincerely regret to inform you. Stop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's a bunch of songs that uh, Frank is known for and the ones that he really, like, hated to play after a while, you know, um, mostly off of the Apostrophe album. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. I guess that probably leads to my favorite uh, Frank Zappa story which is uh, being tied to Warner Brothers, and he hated oh, it. He yeah. hated them. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he was forced to write a certain number of of songs and albums, and he thought that that was just... It totally took away his artistic integrity and, and uh, was really sick of just turning stuff in, so he decided to write a couple albums worth of songs that were purposely not commercial just to mess with them. And so what were the albums on, on Warner Brothers? Do, do you remember? I, I personally don't know. It, was, so it was, was the early years, except for the very first one. But actually, they ended up taking buying the rights to that, too. Uh, yeah. Um, Apostrophe, Overnight Sensation are the two. two. Well, and then, actually, I think Strictly the... Commercial and Only In It For The Money is uh, are, the, are some of those as well. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is in writing these songs that he meant to piss off corporate executives, ended up being the ones that made him famous and he had yeah. to play for the rest yeah. of his life. Yeah. Um, and songs that because he wrote them just as like kind of a fuck you to the man, he wasn't necessarily feeling that way after a while and was sort of sick, uh, like Dynamo Hum and uh, uh Maybe that's the whole, the whole but, Joe, Joe's Garage thing because he kind of just redid, he did the whole theatrical version of that theme right there. I thought that came after. I thought that was one Yeah, that was his... after, but I think it was like kind of like, okay, come on, I can do this again, even like bigger and better. Sure, <laughs> sure. Uh, with the grand visions. But some of these ones that he wrote, really not pop songs. And I guess the next one we'll play here is uh, a song that, it's really one of my favorites of all time. This, uh, because of the complexity of the piece, as well as it being um, one of Frank's really awesome sort of scathing jabs at society. Which one's this? This is Brown Shoes Don't okay. Make It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think of all of his sort of social commentary songs, I think this is probably the most sophisticated. Uh, maybe not the most catchy. No. But I think the most complete in terms of his... Uh, but it's it's so hard to to talk about him as like I have to think about about him in periods like mm. in, in in banks of, of years you know groups of years. Indeed, I I, I would agree with that because you know from uh, from his first album up through the Warner Brothers albums that's kind of a segment, and yeah. then the time after that the Roxy and Elsewhere yeah Roxy and Elsewhere where he. Uh, 
gets George Duke in the band and it starts becoming a little more 70s soul uh, urban, but yeah. then also Frank's mercury ridden brain, uh, you know, wacko <laughs> music. Or you could do it by drummers. That's another way of doing it. Too. That's another way to do it. It was like who he was into by by drummers. Right. The, the Vinnie Kali <laughs> Yuta years yeah. of Sheik Your Booty and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, here's uh, Brown Shoes Don't Make It by good old Frank Zappa. Queen. 
is rocking and rolling and acting obscene.
Holy wow. Okay, uh, how many styles could you name in that piece right there? Well, I could probably name six, and then there's ones I can't name. (laughs) Uh, Or you don't, I I just don't want to name those. (laughs) What year is that album there? Oh, you know, I didn't look. Um, 66 or 67? 66 or 67, yeah, that's what I would guess too. And that's one of the really stunning things to me about that, is that all that editing, like, Tons of editing, scoring, scoring, uh, getting people to play it, but it was all on tape. You know, it's yeah. like that, they, that, that would be challenging in Pro Tools. And he did right. it yeah. with just like playing it off of one tape machine and then cutting it onto another one yeah. and trying to time it so that they all came together. And wow. I think, I think the, the, you know, he used a six track on that. I think there was a six-track recording that someone made for him. So. Wow, that, yeah, it's so cool. Um, there's also another version of that that uh, I believe is from a live band. The, I mean, I don't think they did it in one take, but it wasn't all edited together yeah, like, like this. this. Like this. Uh, and that was from the um, Tinseltown Rebellion album. Uh, which I always love because of the cover in particular. But there's also some things like that where he took his touring band from that time period and they had rehearsed it enough so much that they went into the studio and recorded yeah, uh, a version of how they actually played it. And there was, you know, like the three-piece horn section and all the singers and um, all of those kind of stripper cabaret swing parts are all done with the horns and stuff. So it's definitely got that, the raunchy feel. What do you got for us, Darren? Well, what I've got up next here is uh, your choice for the best Frank Zappa guitar solo. Well, I mean, that's, and I and I said from the start, that's impossible. That's just right. right. I, I just kind of picked a song that um, I liked what the band did as a recording because the, the band really follows his solo. He's not vamping. They're really listening, and you can hear the interactions between band and soloing. That's and also it's an incredible piece, and George Duke sings incredibly to this solo. Yeah, that's one of the things that always impresses me about Frank Zappa is his band and the people that played with him and the caliber of musicians that played with him. And then, like George Duke said, it wasn't just playing in a band; it was a commitment to excellence. Yeah, that absolutely. You just worked hard at learning these crazy parts, and everybody did it. Um, something I've always wanted to have in my musical life. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so this song is called Inca Roads.
the dead of the hair go bone. The Indians were on the bell, car with the time signatures were in that song um i could count at least four did you notice the 716 part at the end and they got people to do that and that was a crazy thing is that was his band these guys yeah. can play that stuff yeah and i think that's most like you know like because i write strange music too and it's not so much writing the strange music it's finding good musicians who actually want to play it yeah, you, <laughs> to commit to playing the whole thing. That's it, right, correctly. Yeah, and just for the sake of it's awesome, so play it. Um, 
or it's a challenge for you whether or not you can sing it later is another story <laughs> um yeah you know that band has a whole lot of musicians in it that are kind of unsung heroes in the general world i mean you know zappa fans and jazz fans well, yeah. may, may call out their names but you know your average person in the world uh isn't going to know ruth underwood or you know the fowler it, brothers right um but Ruth Underwood's one of my favorite musicians of all time. You know, oh, yeah. she she was the woman that played all the percussion and vibes, um, marimbas, everything. I mean, everything. She's, she's a monster, absolute yeah. monster. All that stuff and an absolute monster is is just a great way of putting it. So, oddly enough, my choice for best guitar solo comes from the same band but a different album. It comes from Roxy and Elsewhere, like we mentioned before. Uh, we're talking about before. And uh, my two favorite guitar solos are on that album. One is from the song Cheap, uh, a Penguin, no, excuse me, Penguin and Bondage. Bondage. Yeah, the Penguin and Bondage solo is really a yeah, pretty yeah. stunning piece of guitar work. Um, Though the song itself has me rolling every time. Totally. It's, As a fan of horror movies, I mean, I could. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> hysterical. Um, Bad however, on the end of the third side of the album uh, is a sort of a medley of songs called uh, Echidna's Arf of You into Don't You Ever Wash That Thing. And and exactly where the, the transition is in between the songs, I, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I think we're starting at it, maybe. But um, the Echidna's Arf of You is this insane piece of music that is that em- employs duck calls, um, like three different types of percussion kits, not just per- yeah percussion parts but like three people playing different percussion parts do these crazy roles on all these kinds of instruments um zany piece not an easy one to sing along with and is probably more for the real zappa head than regular people and then it switches into what's probably the end of the night jam is my guess yeah you know where everyone in the band gets a solo um and we're picking it up part way through that right as uh George Duke starts his solo on the on the keyboards. It's followed by a trombone solo by uh, Bruce Fowler. Then it's Ralph Humphrey and Chester Thompson on drums playing a drum solo where uh, when you listen to it, you'll hear parts where there's this big cacophony and a duck call. And then uh, those are the, that's the transition. And so if you listen, if you listen to it, it's one drummer and then this big noise and then it switches to the other drummer and they sort of compete. At the end of that, they bust into one of the best break beats of all time, and Frank comes in yeah. with a guitar solo. So, that's right. That Shredding it. It, it, the shred it, moment. It just rips your face off. So um, sit back, relax. Here comes the drill.
You know, modern music is just really lacking in duck calls. Yeah, actually, in Italy, we're using we're using more duck calls than ever, um, and kazoo's. Yes, it's become a very popular uh, sample these days. So the late '80s into the '90s, that was a pretty interesting period for old Mister Zappa, yeah. um, because of our good friends like Tipper Gore and the PMRC. <laughs> And them really wanting to attack him, which is basically like playing, it's it's like a teenager playing a master grand or grandmaster in chess. Yeah. You know, you're just yeah. not, not going to win. No, no. But um, anyway. You but know, also, I mean, that was the beginning of the digital music thing. So, and with the beginning of the digital music thing, the technology increased. And um, the Sinclair was used by Frank and other composers, because it's very expensive to try out compositions. As a composer, these sort of machines are, you know, sort of essential. And if you can get over the price of it, which is usually more than a house, um, and you know how to utilize it, and he was one of the first, and also one of the first developers. He's he's the type of guy that, that used to find problems in keyboards and call up the company and be like, okay, you got a problem here. <laughs> So, and also Sinclair worked with him. So. Yeah, uh, pretty amazing stuff. When he went into, well, it was like the, it was the first digital audio workstation. Pretty much. Yeah, you know, it where, was. Where you could make up stuff that you just couldn't do otherwise. I don't know if the Fairlight was before that, but yeah, they're, they're similar. Yeah. Yeah, and also it was, you know, very much out of reach for the average <sighs> I mean, the price person. Price. Yeah. You know, it took somebody like that was, you know, a, a world class producer to be able to get your hands on one. Uh, but he did some stunning things, um, one of which was uh, the Jazz from Hell album, uh, which got him his only Grammy. The only Grammy. But I think he got the Grammy because no one understood that album. I, I thought it was just way over everyone's head. It's like so, so, so advanced, tonally, rhythmically. And everyone was just, oh, my God. Okay, just give him the Grammy because I, I don't get it. Because, <laughs> it, yeah, there's a whole lot of does not compute signs coming up in audio producers' eyeballs. Um, I know it's genius, but I can't tell you why. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can't say I like it, but I know it's great. Uh, it's really a piece of work that I couldn't do. Um, unfortunately, it's one of the most unlistenable Zappa albums. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It's totally and rhythmically very advanced. Yeah, but uh, this is from the um, Frank Zappa meets the Mothers of Prevention album, which has some pretty interesting stuff on it. Some really good rocking pieces, some older pieces that are yeah, revived. Yeah. He also did a bunch of things on that album uh, that he also did on Shake Your Booty, where he took uh, different instruments from different songs and put them together yeah. to make a, a new song. Yeah. And some of these were live recordings where they took a, a solo from one right. from one show and one song and took the drum tracks from a different show and a right, different song and, and, yeah. and put them together. Some of them, they ran the parts backwards or one of the parts backwards yeah. and they and it kind of works. I, I have actually stolen that idea. That's right. I, I, I know. I know how to steal those things. You have a new production that's just like that. That's pretty freaking awesome. Well, 
Enough talk about this. Let's just get right into this. And what better to have from Deep Orbit Studio than Alien Orifice?
You know, I mean, of course you can't dance to that song. Uh, uh, well, I mean, you could. It would be... <laughs> You might pull a hammy. Um, <laughs> it would just look really funny. Yes. Uh, it would definitely look funny. Um, but, you know, it's pretty interesting music. And, like, I like to listen to that. I mean, it just sounds nice, you know? Some Zappa is kind of unlistenable to me, and that is pretty cool. No, I, I think that's what's fa fascinating is his idea of melody and, and rhythm and are just because the rhythms seemed so so outrageous and the melodies seemed so sort of you know like in this piece you know it's a pretty straight ahead but w what's underneath is some really serious genius there oh yeah to think that stuff up is is just amazing <laughs> to pull it off i mean i can think that i can think it <laughs> yeah but <laughs> it ain't going to happen <laughs> but like you were saying you know to to write it out, to think it up, be able to make it so in your mind so that you can write it out and then know the person that you can get to play it and have them want to play it for you. <laughs> want to. Right. Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of those things, I mean, those are performances. It's not all edited. Uh, yeah. I mean, much of it is, but still, I mean, there's whole sections that are like freaking impossible to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely for me. Yeah, exactly. I think even for those guys, it was hard. I'm thinking about producing a record like called, you know, something uh, music influenced by Frank Zappa, like uh, people that have actually taken his techniques because I've taken his techniques and mm -hmm. stolen stuff like everybody's. I mean, music doesn't you know, come, doesn't come out of a closed box. So and um, so if any listeners out there know of any bands that are, in, you know, specifically in, influenced by Zappa, let us know. Yeah, yeah, you can definitely write us at uh, deborbitstudio.com. Uh, send an email from there. Um, you can reach me on Facebook, Darren Roebuck. Uh, Scott Stammers is there too. Yeah, hit him up with some, with your favorite Zappa stuff. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I always found to be really super cool about Frank Zappa is that in spite of all the weirdness and in spite of the perversion and in spite of the, um, you know, purposely you know, complicated for the sake of complicated songs that he wrote. He also wrote a couple of pieces of music that are so beautiful and so interesting, um, but still accessible Yeah, that people don't know it's Zappa when they hear it. They're amazed that this was made by a quote unquote rock and roll producer, but also it translated from the rock uh, sextet to a uh, a larger orchestra yeah or, and yeah more grandiose orchestral and classical compose and uh, classical players um could play the stuff and not only does it work well it works better yeah um absolutely. and we're gonna close here with one of the classics it's it ranks in my top five it's always just yeah. such a great composition and most people when i put it on for them that aren't zappa heads listen to it and go who's that that's great. And I say, it's Frank Zappa. And you can see them battling with themselves like they don't want to like it because it's Frank Zappa. But, but also the production style and the way he used tape stuff on this. He does pitch change through tape, like tape manipulation. He uses classical guitars, classical instruments, rock instruments. It's a fabulous piece. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so much we could say about it. I actually, uh, let's see here. 
Sorry, taking a second to load again. But uh, it's all right. This comes from the Hot Rats album, um, which also has one of my favorite album covers, too. The album cover photo on that is... It just makes me think of the psychedelic 60s. It was done at the back of the house. Oh, yeah, in the empty swimming pool with his with his weird hair and then just a strange, uh, uh, a strange, like, magenta filter.